Hello, hello. Welcome everyone to Anime Ichiban Gumastomp's dedicated anime podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Fonte. As always, I'm joined by the wonderful, beautiful gentlemen, Kyle Rogershone and Harry Morris. We unfortunately missed last week because we were all really busy, but worked out because now we are on recording on the very special day of Spooky Ween, yeah. October 31st, baby. Do you guys, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling you guys probably aren't doing much for it this no, year on the no, off chance. No, you no, do, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Please. That's my figure. Please. I hope that nobody goes out tonight. Yeah. Or if you do, you maintain a risk. Uh, have you seen how people are getting around uh, COVID for Halloween this year? They, they've got candy slides, which I think are actually a pretty neat idea. Candy? What are those? Explain. So it's it's literally just a giant fucking long ass two PVC pipe mm-hmm. that goes from the front door of your house to the trick-or-treaters and you just slide candy down. Oh, that's um, really cute. Presumably, sure. you know, wearing masks and gloves yeah. and you know, being hygienic about it. Yeah, I mean, I like what that. if you have COVID though and you touch the candy and then you're basically sending this but COVID it, candy it, down to people? You you are putting a lot of faith in another person mm-hmm. to not be sick. I mean, that is the nature of trick or treat. You're either going to get a treat or a trick. <laughs> and in this yeah, case, the trick is COVID candy. Yeah, we, we've leveled up this year. Yeah. <laughs> Sol- a solid trick. Do you guys uh, have any Halloween traditions that you would do in a normal year when the world isn't on fire, typically? Um, I have like a kind of... It's a Halloween tradition I've done like most of my life. And it's a bit of a weird one, but um, it's where I uh, do nothing. Um, and I don't do anything <laughs> for Halloween. So that's my tradition. Nothing against Halloween. Yeah. I'm just not so yeah. good with horror films. And uh, I don't know. I, I think it's it's much more of an American thing that kind of is coming yeah, yeah. to the UK. Yeah, of course. So yeah. for us in the UK, it's still like not a huge deal. It, it's For some people it is, but for a lot of people, it's just kind of like more of a little novelty that they casually observe. Right. I know it's the mm. same in Japan where it really only just kind of like made its way there within the past decade. Mm. It, yeah, it's very, it's a fairly new thing there, but it's, it's definitely uh, caught on in Japan as a commercial mm-hmm. holiday for sure. Oh yeah, Japan just loves taking our holidays <laughs> and just commercializing um, them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's still fucking trippy to like see Christmas celebrated as heavily over there, and it's like, I mean, it's a it's a commercial holiday here. There's like no you know going around that, but mm-hmm. you know, there's at least like the mild undertones of you know Christianity and religion there, but Japan is just full on. Full on, uh, full on commercial holiday. Yep. What about you, Kyle? Do you do anything on around the Halloween, Halloween time usually? No, not since I was a kid uh, <laughs> who actually would dress up. You know, what was your favorite around. costume that you wore that you can That's remember? That's a good question. Um, okay, so it's not one. I think this was like the time that I'd stopped trick or I was like 16 or so. But uh, my high school had a Halloween costume contest, and I went as Pac-Man. Pac-Man. In a suit, <laughs> in a, uh, suit made out of flat-rate uh, postal service boxes. Did you have your friends go as the ghosts and chase you? Yeah, that would have been cool. No, my friend went as a furry. Uh, um, you could pass that off as a type of ghost, I guess. It's not, <laughs> not as good. Mm, I wish there were ghosts. <laughs> I wouldn't have to see them. Yeah, you could have had no. fun with the Pac-Man idea for sure. Uh, okay. it, it was it was a little iffy because uh, it was kind of uh, kind of rough to get on and off. Yeah, if it's made of like cardboard taped together, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we had to like my my dad did most of the work on it, and he cut in mm-hmm. some slits on like the side so I could hold it up um, with my hands. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, not not nothing as far as tradition goes. Like so, for for like tonight, I might just maybe watch a horror movie with friends. I, I'm I'm really into horror. I really like horror movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing uh, about me is like I like being scared. I I enjoy that feeling. I despise the many many sleepless nights that follow though. <laughs> Like I watch a horror movie and I, my sleep schedule is just shot for at last at well, least a week. So, so what what is it that scares you both? Like like what other particular types of horror and particular themes that really get under your skin and give you those sleepless nights? Like body horror really, really, really freaks me out. Like I remember back in middle school, we watched The Mummy in class. And that's not a horror movie by any means, but like the scarabs in that film. Mm. I don't know if you know how they like literally burrow into your body and will devour your organs Crawl from the inside out. Oh, yeah. yeah, and like oh, eventually devour so your brain. Like I I, I was rad. I was wrecked for like a month after watching that as a middle schooler. So like that kind of stuff and just like slasher film body horror type things, anything Junji Ito, it's just like, huh, no, can't do it. Can't do it. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Not fun. I definitely get that reaction. Like, I, I don't like body horror. Um, I, I'm fascinated by it, but there's... Okay, so there's a difference between, like, body horror and gore. I'm not a huge fan of, like, gore and slasher stuff like that, but I really like movies like Event Horizon where it is, like, how misshaping your body can get, and that's, like, the whole idea of it. And that's why I like a lot of Jinji Ito stuff because he does get really grotesque, mm-hmm. but he doesn't, like tear open people and people don't get like ripped apart or stabbed it's more of like a heavily deformed uh human body which there's a little bit of a difference mm-hmm. uh in terms of how the suffering happens right but, do you do you uh get messed up after watching horror movies kyle or see, are you able to i used to it? i used to get really really upset with horror movies when i was a kid there was a movie called poltergeist oh yeah uh, <laughs> The an old famous. 1980s horror movie, uh, and it fucked me up. Specifically, two scenes. There's a scene where a giant tree comes to life, and it is the most horrifying, like gnarled root fucker that like reaches into a kid's room during a fucking rain, rainy thunderstorm, takes him out of bed, and like is just trying to eat him. And you <laughs> just hear like the the slow glopping crunching sound of the tree trunk mouth just like opening and trying to suck yeah so that that stuck with me for a bit. But the one thing that still gets me is, is fucking clowns uh because there's yeah. also a scene in poltergeist where a uh clown doll is uh being very psychotic and dragging a oh man you just you're just combining two horror staples right there dolls and clowns jeez yeah yeah it was pretty bad that so that messed me up as a kid but it's I don't know. I, I think as I got older, um, I, I, I'm, I've become more fascinated by it. And I don't know if I'll like sit up at night really thinking about it. I, I, I get m- more I guess, freaked out by existential crises. Like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, but no, I, I can, I can deal with horror pretty well. And yeah, I got to watch more like horror anime, but I really enjoy the ones that I have seen um, mm-hmm. and read. Junji Ito's fantastic. I've read all of his stuff. Um, yeah, he, he goes for a lot of the same, the the right mix of dread and upfront horror. Mm -hmm. And we will getting, beginning more into that later on in the podcast for sure, because it is the Halloween special, baby. It's not Halloween for you guys listening to this now, but it is for us right now in this moment. 
And so, yeah, what that that brings up the question: What have you guys been watching lately? I know the new anime seasons just started up, up relatively recently. We just haven't had a podcast since it started, but it's pretty well underway now. So, I would say, like, what what is one show that has really caught your interest that either surprised you or just like, wow, this is really nice. I'd I'm like g- to tell the world about it. I'm going to cheat. So I'm going to choose two. Uh, first one is n- not at all <laughs> horror themed, and it is Haikyuu. It is possibly the most non horror mm-hmm. anime, um, <laughs> but it's it's great fun. I, I I think I'm the same as a lot of people. I put off watching it for ages because it's about volleyball, mm-hmm. and it's not as someone who's not sporty. That's not really the most interesting subject. But you start watching it, you fall in love with the characters, you fall in love with their um, their drives and the drama between them, and uh, it's great fun. It's really really just. A great series just to kind of kick back and relax to. Um, and then on the other side of the coin, this one, it's not a horror anime, but it's got kind of elements of, of kind of demonic yeah, possession. It, does, it doesn't have to be it's, horror uh, for this part. Yeah. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you recommended it to me for the viewer's guide. And uh, yep. that's been awesome. There's only like five episodes out so far. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very much like a shonen, but um, it's got kind of like demons and blood and, and dark hallways and that kind of vibe. So... <laughs> If you're into something that's not like horror by any means, but but has a kind of more Halloween-y aesthetic, then uh, check it out. It's really good fun so far. So so what's it about for the people who don't know about it? It is about um, essentially curses manifest by uh, people having like f- feelings of hate or fear or whatever. So, so typically it might happen in, say, near a school. A curse will manifest there because people feel anxiety mm. going to school. Uh, and this curse will kind of bring about a demon and there's a, a kind of secret school of people who go to exercise these curses and kill these demons. Uh, and the protagonist ends up enrolling in this school uh, for one reason or another. I don't want to give away too much. But he ends mm-hmm. up enrolling there and basically it's, it's him and his uh, his new friends going out and killing demons together. And it's pretty fun. It's all right. It's uh, So far, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of promise. Obviously, five episodes isn't much, but it's really takes a lot of really good boxes so far so it has every chance as far as i'm concerned of, of being the next big thing mm-hmm. let's just see mm. yeah i've definitely heard very good things about it and because i kind of like missed the first way of jumping onto it and i'm watching so many others i've decided that i'm probably just going to wait for it to finish and be able to watch a lot of it at once because i've also yeah. been hearing a lot of comparisons to how it could be the next uh demon slayer kimetsu no yaiba oh, uh, so okay. that mm. that and from people who really love kimetsu no yaiba mm. so that's what really uh, caught my attention about so yeah i'm gonna give us some time and come back to that but i'm looking forward to it for sure yeah it's really cool for for me the the one show that's really really caught me by surprise that i went into just kind of like flippantly and like i'll check this out and like probably drop it later on because i just saw the uh cover art for it the uh key art and i'm just like okay, it looks like kind of generic edgy that's akudama drive and i was very wrong about this show it is it has got so much style to it and it's really for it takes place in a cyberpunk setting and for me i'm usually not the biggest cyberpunk person i feel like a lot of works that use cyberpunk settings tend to go too far with them and i i understand to some extent that's just kind of what comes with the territory for cyberpunk but it's just like once you have every single person in the world with some sort of cybernetic enhancement or something and so forth, you kind of like, you lose that human element to it. It's like, okay, like anything is possible at this point. There's no rules to this world. And cyberpunk settings tend to be very like dreary and gray scale too. They're not very colorful. But that's not the case for Akadama Drive. Like, yes, you have these uh, these enhancements and like 
a lot of uh, people tapped into just electronics, but it's uh, not overbearing. You still have people that are intact as themselves. It's not all encompassing. And it's very colorful mm. too. It's got these bright neon color palettes, very bold lines, very striking character designs. It's by the same, it's got character designs by the Denganropan artist, which Ooh. is very readily mm. apparent the moment you look at these designs. And they're just a lot of fun. So the base premise is that you have this unnamed protagonist girl who gets wrapped up in these criminal activities for these high profile criminals called Akadama. They're like the most wanted criminals in this, uh, this ward. And um, at one point, she's in danger of being killed by them, essentially. So she tricks them into thinking that she's one of them and that her code name is Swindler. And that's why she's not in the uh, police database, because she like swindled her way through it. And because of that, though, she gets wrapped up into an even greater plot along with Akadama, where if she messes up, then her head will get blown clean off by a collar that's placed around her neck. And it sounds like really grim and dark, but it is it has so much fun with it. And every single one of the Akadama is a lovable psychopath. <laughs> and that's also another really hard thing to pull off. So again, they all go by code names. So you have Brawler, you have which is self-explanatory. You have Courier, who like will deliver a parcel no matter what and without questioning what it is. And he can do like cool tricks on his bike a la Cloud and FF7. Um, you got Doctor, who does really shady back alley surgeries and can even like operate on herself in bullshit ways to like prevent injury. Like at one point she gets her arm chopped off. She's like, I'll just sew that back on, no problem. And um, and you got Hacker, which is self-explanatory and so forth. And so they're all like, they're all, and you have Cutthroat, who is a serial killer. And so they're all really terrible. They've all done terrible things, but the way that they go about, they're they're super eccentric too. And you can't help by be uh, mesmerized by them and the way they interact with each other. And so just every episode has just been a full on 110% nonstop adrenaline rush of fantastic animation and fight choreography, banter, wondering how the main character Swindler is going to like get out of the situation she finds herself in. How many episodes it's just been so a ride. Far? It's four episodes out so far. And every episode has been very, very well paced where it's like I got this like big ramp up and then it comes to a nice stopping point at every single episode mm. um, so far. It, it feels like a game in a way, like it's set up in a game levels. And that's also because it's a collaboration with 2Q Games, which has uh, some of the team of the old Danganronpa games on it. So it, it makes sense that it was kind of uh, set up that way. I did some reading yeah. into it. It's apparently taken inspiration from a lot of... Uh, Quentin Tarantino films. They oh, want to kind of replicate that feel. What's, so, yeah, what's, it, what's it called again? Because I want to look it up. Yeah, Akadama Drive. So that is the absolute surprise shock of the season mm. for me. It was supposed to come out in summer season, apparently, but it got delayed due to COVID. So now it's uh, coming out now. Mm. So absolute delight. That's what I love new anime seasons for, is just stumbling into these shows that you had no idea about and end up falling in love. Like, of course, it's only four episodes, so it could still go down the shitter. But it's super highly promising so far. Yeah, that's wicked. Mm -hmm. I'll check it out sometime. Yeah, because sure. because I, I love Danganronpa, and Danganronpa Two is one of my favorite games ever. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I'll check it. Yeah, out. you look you look at Swindler's character design. It's like you look like you came straight out of a Danganronpa game. You look <laughs> up the character design. I'm like that explains that. I see now. I, I, what about you? Oh, sorry. I was, no, I was, was going to say I, I something I'd love them to make is another Danganronpa, but I don't think they ever will. Given like how the third one ended. I don't really know how they can take it further. 
Right. But, I uh, haven't finished the third one, but I hear okay. like the way it ends. It's just absolutely bonkers, insane, and the most brilliant way. Yeah. Every game they sort of one up the kind of twist at the end, mm-hmm. and that's kind of they go so far with it in the third game. That I'm thinking I don't know how they could go further in future entries. <laughs> so I don't think they'll do another one, but um, I hope they do because I fucking love those games so much. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe yeah, like an anime spinoff at some point, like they kind of mm-hmm. did before. Yeah. What about Stay you, Kyle? Backlog for me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the thing about how I watch anime is that I typically, like, the viewer's guide is really the only reason I'll watch seasonal stuff. I typically will wait to see because I don't like committing time to series that I end up not enjoying. And that mm-hmm. seems to be the case with the three shows that I picked for this. <laughs> oh. uh, Tony Kaku Kawai is some hot garbage. Uh, <laughs> and I don't understand how it's, so, well, I understand how it's so popular, but I hate that. I it's still so don't. Popular. I still don't um, understand. It is extreme wish fulfillment uh, with a protagonist. That's almost as bad as Kazuya from rent a girlfriend, which is also God awful. Okay, um, I, I don't know anything about this show, so like, what's it about and why is it so bad? It's <laughs> a by, by the way, guy... my, the two, two shows I was reviewing were great. Jujutsu Kaisen and Talentless Nana, really good. Fucking... So I had a yeah. great time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been having an okay time. Maybe it'll change. Um, I was going to watch the third episode and like get finished up, but it's like the, the, the premise of Tony Kakukawai is literally that this dude f- falls in love with a girl at first sight literal first sight um and he's so horny that he tries to cross the street ends up almost getting run over by a truck but he gets saved by her and they they end he's like oh will you go out with me uh i love you and her response is sure i'll go out with you if you marry me and it's like this stupid ass (laughs) wish fulfillment and yeah it's as stupid as it sounds yeah um and their whole relationship is just huh i guess we're married now what do we do uh kind of thing and he's like it's the same so the same issue that i have with kazuya in rent a girlfriend which is he's such a horny simp that he will like do anything and everything to try and appease the other person and constantly be like oh wow they're like way out of my league or they're too good for me and it's like what the fuck am i watching right now yeah so i i've also been watching tony kaku and like when i heard about how popular the manga was i was also extremely surprised and like okay this is really not great but i get the sense there's something more going on here so i'm gonna keep watching and i literally just watched the fifth episode before we started recording and with the fifth episode i'm like okay I think I can see like why people might like this now because like to your point how he he starts off as a simp and just like really obnoxious you see them grow to become more comfortable around each other like in the fifth episode you see them like oh no oh boy they held hands but you know how it is in anime where people freak out when they just touch another human being um, but like that's, they just naturally start holding hands here the and they thing kiss, is, yeah. is like that's not gratifying because I know how they got there which was absolute horseshit yeah I, and yeah, I, it's like also it is is more realistic in this day and age because actually you should freak out if you touch someone else because of COVID. <laughs> so actually, you can it, watch it through that lens of realism now. We, we got a comedian here. Oh, um, but I I have such strong opinions against Tony Kawa because I just finished up season three of Snafu, and that is hands down one of the best romantic comedy stories I've ever seen. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it so much, and I love the characters. I love the main cast. They're so good. And it absolutely puts uh, Tony Kawa to shame. So right. I, I have yeah. extra strong I don't strong think they opinions. can even be compared, yeah. I have extra strong opinions against it, but I also think it's just not very good. And again, like, even if they're comfortable with it, um, like, there are better ways to do that so where I'm invested in the relationship. Like, if you watch... Uh, what what is it? Uh, Golden Time, uh, which is another show where most of the sh- series, the main couple's already in a relationship, and you see them like evolving through it. They get pretty comfortable with each other, but it takes its time with it. Tony Kawa just like throws you in as like, here's your wish fulfillment, you fucking weeb, enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that show. Uh, the other one I was watching was uh the new love live series. And I have to preface this by saying, yes, I recognize it is in <laughs> idol series, uh, love live. I ha 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 weeb shows. Um, but the thing about love live and idol shows in general is that like, you, you can do them right. Like I enjoyed the first love live. I enjoyed the anime adaptation of, uh, bang dream, which is really good, but it's a lot of, okay. So, the new Love Live season has the same problem that I have with, coincidentally enough, Tonikawa, which is the main character's motivation is that they just really want it. That, <laughs> that, that's it. And I'm like, okay, uh, maybe this will be better when they introduce more characters. Isn't, it wasn't, isn't that the case for the that. first two Love Lives also? No, no, it isn't. The first love live is, oh God, what is I think uh, they they wanted to... Hold on, uh, oh yeah, they wanted to save the school in the first yeah, one. Yeah, they want to save the yeah, school. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, and, and, and the second one, it was literally... Yeah, and the second one, though, it really was just like, I like the first muse. I want to be like them. <laughs> At least there, there's like some kind of connection there. And it's like, okay, I, I can get that somebody's inspired there. This new love life is literally the two main characters are like, wow, I literally just spent all night like watching idol videos. What? The school idol club got disbanded. Fuck that. Let's make our own because I got so inspired last night at 3 a.m. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I guess like, so, so with that whole like character motive of they really want something and that's their drive. If you look at that done well, say My Hero Academia, um, yeah, Deku yeah. really wants to be like the number one hero, but there are stakes there. Like he, yeah, he, yeah, he there has, stakes there. He has yeah, to do exactly. it. The world will be negatively affected if he doesn't assume that mantle. And furthermore, throughout the series, he works really hard to get there. And you see yeah. him go through all sorts of hardships, so you really root for him. But if it was just like, the first I want to be, I want to be the number one hero, but if I don't become yeah, the number one hero, it, nothing will happen. Deku. It's just like he you already established the stakes there, yeah, where he's like, oh, uh, I, I have no quirk, um, and I really want this. Um, and you, you get a feel for him. You, you get a feel for like who he is and like, yeah, why they want that. But yeah, so suffice to say, love live is like, all right, all right. <laughs> I have my I have like my tolerance for weeby idol shit, but this might be cutting it a little too little too low to the ground. Um, and then there's uh. Yashahime, the sequel to Inuyasha, which it is definitely an Inuyasha sequel. Um, <laughs> for better or worse, it sounds like. For better and worse. Um, yeah. You probably leave that at that. I'm, yeah. I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, yeah. So 
all, all this said and done, uh, yeah, nothing much this season for me and nothing much else that I'm watching. Oh, I started up uh, Diary, uh, Days of Our Diary, Di- Diary of Our Days of Diary Breakwater. Diary of Days of Breakwater, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's cute. Yeah, um, it is. It's, I like it. It is uh, holding me over until January. When what happens in January? Yuru Camp Season 2 comes out. Oh, I see. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, now that I think about it, there's not really a Moe Blob show this season that I'm watching. I guess... Maybe Kuma 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 Bear counts potentially, Is but that, yeah, were those words? <laughs> <laughs> it was actually four words in a row. Oh, for the same word, bear, 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 bear. Essentially, nice. yeah. So Kuma Kuma <laughs> Kuma Bear. So the three Kumas, all three of them are in one of the three uh, characters of Japanese. So Hiragana, Katakana, and Kanji, followed by Bear. Uh, bears are pretty important in the show. Who would have thunk? But it's it's cute. I wouldn't quite call it a moe blob or cute girls doing cute things, but it's the closest thing to it this season for me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Mildly disappointed uh, with stuff on uh, my end in terms of anime watching, but uh, I finished Fallen Order after months of uh, putting it on the backlog. So oh, yeah? maybe I'll finish Persona 4 Golden. <laughs> and maybe you guys will go back to Cold Steel 1 someday. Maybe I'll yes. do that too. I really <laughs> would like to. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I do. I do need to. I've I've been a bit lost gaming wise recently. Yeah, I, that was uh, one of the reasons I was busy last week is because I had to crunch out the Cold Steel Four review. Oh, now, now you done. can say yeah. it. Now you can. Yeah, yes. yeah, it's it's out now. The game's yes, out. Yes, yeah. um, <laughs> I was going to say like I I played the new Hyrule Warriors demo as well. Who checked that out? Yeah, I've been yeah I've been uh, tapping here and there on it in between Cold Steel. I really like it. I okay, really like it. M- my my take on it because I love Hyrule Warriors and I love Fire Emblem mm-hmm. Warriors. I really like the new game, but there's something that I fucking hate about it. And I realize I'm probably the only person in the world who's going to be bothered by this. But it's (laughs) something that that really bothers me with games. I really dislike it when games record your best time and your best kill count and your records, and they save your records without your consent. The reason (laughs) I dislike this is a few reasons. Number one, it feels like you're never going to get a perfect play play file you're never going to get like a perfect kind of file because everything's super subjective based on your play times and your kill count that's the main reason Mm -hmm. but also i dislike now if i play a level if i want to take my time and explore and just take it in any way i want i can't do that because i'm always thinking i want to get a good time or i want to kill a certain amount of enemies so all the time now when i play my play style is going to be dictated by the fact that everything i do is recorded by the game and I don't want mm. it to record things. I want to play things and know that the game isn't saving those little records, those things of like, this is how quick you did the level. Try and get a better time. No, I don't want to get a better fucking time. Leave me mm. alone. So it really bothers me. And and they've not done it before in uh, in the One Piece Pirate Warriors games, as far as I know. And they've not done it in Hyrule Warriors or Fire Emblem Warriors. But in this game, they record all your best time and I hate it. So <laughs> that really winds me up. You're right. That's that- a very specific... Yeah, a very specific it's, it's, thing. It's funny huge. because yeah, I, I can understand like yeah, toggling that on and off if it's possible. Because the thing is with those kind of like times and leaderboards is that it in, adds in intrinsic rewards to video games rather than like extrinsic XP and items to get. Because no, no one's telling you when you've like done well. It's like you decide when you've done well enough, and that's intrinsic rewards are more. Uh, motivating driving factors and extrinsic rewards in that regard but i I understand like if you absolutely hate it you'd like to not have that in your face you should be allowed to turn it off i I mean one of the rare examples i found is um in mario kart 8 
when you're doing time trials and you save your best time, you can then delete mm-hmm. that best time if you want to. So like when you do the time trial stuff against the ghosts and you get really good times, you can delete it if you don't like it. Same with Sonic Mania and the time trials. You can do like the time trials, get certain times and then clear your records. So it gives you that option of saving something only if you want to save it and keeping it only if you want to keep it. So then you never feel like your your play style or your play, your play decisions are permanent, which I like. I, I, it's that permanence that I don't like. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Don't like that. Your mark of shame. Yeah, I, I want, I want <laughs> but, options. I want freedom as a player. I don't want it to be recorded but, and yeah. stamped down and permanently. Overall, <laughs> overall though, you, you, you think well. Of overall, demo, though, yeah. over, over than that, it's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just exactly. weird. Yeah. I'm just weird. I, I, yeah, I haven't finished the demo yet because it's actually a pretty hefty demo. But yeah, it's, mm. uh, it's, I'm loving what I played so yeah. far. I definitely have to practice so, Zelda because she's a little wonky. Would you guys recommend? Because I had seen people saying that like it has some mild performance issues. Mm. It, I've seen I've seen some drops here and there, yeah, but nothing that really takes me out of the game okay. so far. Yeah. yeah, it's still loads of fun. That's what matters more. Technically, to me. haven't finished Breath of the Wild yet, so I've replayed it recently. I, I did a second <laughs> playthrough. Oh no, this is like a second and a half playthrough. So I, I did like a full playthrough when I first got it, and then I did like a half playthrough on Master Mode, and then I did like another full playthrough recently. Okay. I, I, right. I, I want I want to do it. Oh, the side note about Akadama Drive also is that. Uh, it's it's funnily enough made me even more excited for Cyberpunk 2077 mm. <laughs> uh, because I'm like back in the cyberpunk mood now. But yeah, that's unrelated. Nice. Sweet. Uh, yeah. So cool. We the the way we uh, consume anime might be changing in the near future. However, we're gonna get into some news topics now. So you guys might recall how back in August we talked about how uh, AT and T was looking to sell Crunchyroll, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so at the time, uh, it was reported that uh, AT&T was looking to Sony uh, to sell Crunchyroll off for 1.5 U- billion US dollars, and now we have gotten an update as of yesterday. This is hot off the presses that Sony is now nearing acquisition of Crunchyroll for a final sell price of 957 million dollars, which is uh, 500 million less than their original asking price. This comes from uh, Nikkei Asia. A newspaper and it's been confirmed or not confirmed but covered by many other news outlets as well it seems like pretty much a done deal at this point and mm-hmm. to remind you to uh sony is the one that also owns funimation and so that was the uh what we were talking about last time is if sony were to own both of what's essentially the two major dedicated anime streaming platforms how would that change the landscape and now that it's looking to be more likely I put that question to you two again. Like, Kyle, what, what does this make you feel Yay, like? Does this kind of make monopolies. you feel... Yeah, like, does this make you uneasy or... Uh, yeah, it makes this? me uneasy. It makes me yeah. very uh, not cool with it. I mm-hmm. like the fact that there was competition. Maybe it was a little annoying that I would have to pay, like, multiple subscriptions, but at least it means that, um, you know, I knew what I was paying for and I, if I deemed something quality enough, I would be paying enough for it. Um, like with Funimation, I hadn't been paying for it for a while, um, but they recently had some shows I wanted to check out. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go into that. Um, so there's that. And I don't know, I'm, I guess I just struggle to think of the benefits because uh, I very much doubt that they're just going to be like, all right, we're putting, we got Crunchymation now. Here <laughs> you go. Here's both shows <laughs> for one low price. That is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I very right. I, yeah, I, I really doubt that they will yeah, combine I mean, them together. That's what I was, I was going to say, obviously. like I, I don't subscribe to Funimation personally. Uh, nothing personal. I, I just, I, I, mm-hmm. I've got Crunchyroll. I don't want to get too many subscriptions. But um, but no, if it was like, yeah, we're combining the two and we're going to maybe increase subscription price ever so slightly, but with that extra price, you get both services. It's like, yeah, great. That, that seems fair. Um, you're paying a little bit more, but you're getting like two great services in one package. But like you're saying, that's probably not going to happen, and that's well. I, I I think I think having a combo pack might be more possible. I think it's less likely that they will actually literally combine them into one streaming service, mm. like like well, Kyle said, Crunchy Fun, the, Crunchymation. Uh, <laughs> what they could do is uh, the uh, Disney Plus thing, because I'm pretty sure that Disney owns Hulu and ESPN, uh, and there's an option for you to have all three um, for like thirteen bucks. I think, and each one of them on their own is like seven or eight. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah so here, here's the thing is that like Crunchyroll is already part, part of a bundle called Verve and so Verve you can pay uh, let me pull up the stats but basically Verve is also a bundle service where you pay a certain amount and then you get a whole bunch of different streaming services so you get Crunchyroll you get High Dive you get uh, uh, Rooster, Rooster Teeth and a few others as well and so High Dive by itself is $5 a month uh, and then Crunchyroll by itself is $8 a month but Verve subscription is $10 a month and so that's how you save there. However, <laughs> I, I do wonder though, because Funimation also used to be part of Verve. And then once they got acquired by Sony, they got yoinked out. And so I do wonder if Sony is going to take Crunchyroll out of Verve to wrangle in its own package deal, which I, I feel like is probably that guaranteed. That might be what happens, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I will really wonder what will happen to Verve in that case, because... Without Crunchyroll, it's really missing that killer IP of its own. High Dive as High Dive is the last kind of dedicated anime streaming platform outside of those two, but it's not nearly the size of Crunchyroll. Okay, so did you say that Sony owns Funimation already? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they acquired them in 2018. Mm, okay. Or I should say they own 95% of the stakes of Funimation. So they own Funimation. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, hmm. I'm just trying to think of like how that would impact uh, or the acquisition would impact like other aspects of the business. Because one of the interesting things that I've seen is like partnerships um, between different businesses and companies, right? So like tangentially related fields. And one of the ones that happened recently was for Xbox Game Pass. One of the perks you can have for subscribing is two months of Funimation Premium. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if Funimation is owned by Sony, uh, I doubt they really care so long as Funimation's doing all right um yeah because I, I i don't know yeah i'm because, just trying to yeah, think of like different business business like yeah. moves that this would motivate but it seems like Funimation has been operating pretty independently right yeah sony operates and with many different arms independently of one another and that's why you, you don't really see a lot of the uh the censorship properties that Sony has been engaging in with Japanese games as of late, that hasn't really translated over to anime as much. Uh, That's been partitioned off mainly, but yeah, I saw a lot of... I didn't... uh, I I thought there were certain shows that got like pulled or censored. Well, yeah, they were censored in the original though. They weren't censored by Funimation. Yeah, like uh, the ones you're thinking of is uh, uh, Interspecies Reviewers. Like that was already censored on the TV run. And so, oh, but yeah. that just got straight pulled. Yeah, and then it got straight up pulled. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, 
But anyways, I saw a lot of comments floating around. I was like, oh, I guess this means I'll be able to get Crunchyroll with my uh, PlayStation Plus subscription. I'm like, no, no, because if that was the case, you would have that for Funimation already. Mm. And who yeah. knows? It, it's still possible. Uh, but there's no there's no indication that that would be the case as of this moment. Mm. I, I do... Yeah, I, I just really, really wonder how this will because this relates to another news story later on as well about Netflix and their uh I was increasing prominence. I was thinking about well. that now as well, like how yeah, you do have a lot of anime streaming services and all the while you're having illegal streaming services getting shut down. And mm. I d I don't know, it seems a weird like a weird one. I don't know how many people can afford all of these streaming services simultaneously. It mm -hmm. doesn't feel fair. I, because I, I do wonder, because as far as I know, there's no, like, quote-unquote Funimation originals. Like, there's no shows that Funimation has gone and, like, produced themselves, like Crunchyroll and Netflix has. And so I do wonder if this move will, combining with Crunchyroll's uh, originals, quote-unquote, if that's going to increase the amount of capital going into uh, these anime studios, because Netflix has recently announced that they are uh, partnerships with Stu Science Saru and Studio oh, Mappa, among others. Yeah. Really? And so they are going to be producing more shows from those oh studios. Oh my God, those are mm. two really good studios. Yeah, okay. and so yeah. I do wonder if uh, Crunchyroll and Fun... Well, I guess, like, they're kind of already doing that because Funimi uh, Sony owns the uh, the studios A1 Pictures and Cloverworks through Aniplex. And so... They kind of already oh God, do that, but I do. Corporate structure. Yeah, I do really wonder if we're going to see some more of those aggressive corporate shakeups in the near future. Now that like Sony will have a huge, huge market share in the Western anime industry, and I think at what we're seeing more and more is kind of the the domestic anime market almost depending. <laughs> on this Western capital to produce the the quality of anime that they seek to produce on the quantity they seek. Mm. Do you guys, do you guys see that? Do you see where I'm coming from? Is that? Well, makes sense. I, I'll be, I I'll be honest. Okay. So, so you said MAPPA and mm. I started daydreaming about MAPPA and different MAPPA shows <laughs> and I didn't actually. I guess I'm still struggling I'm to like kind of figure out like what, actual influence and like how much capital like the western markets do actually bring in because mm -hmm. um, i know that you know here you know in the west like anime has definitely and we've talked about this before where it's been yeah. gaining rising in prominence like very rapidly but like just how rapidly and like what does that look like financially mm -hmm. Um, and what, I guess like, what does that mean in terms of like where they're breaking out? What, the thing where my mind fucking goes to is that what if like fucking Sony just starts making their own VTuber shit? Uh, cause they already <laughs> partnered with, uh, I think Niji Sanji for oh, uh, promotion okay. of the PS5. Um, and with the way that Hololive is just kind of exploding, uh, mm -hmm. maybe they're looking to expand not necessarily vertically, but horizontally, uh, and opening up different branches of anime related uh, industries because they don't mm -hmm. have any feet in the VTuber market yet. Right. Yeah. That's another thing is like the hollow life stories of all, but I'm not touching on that because it's a lot of rumors and nothing concrete yet. Oh, I am, yeah, I'm I, intrigued though. I, like evolved in a good way or a bad way. Uh, 
indiscernible. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It will yeah. Vac- vac- yeah. That's vac- why I, I'm not. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to touch on that yet until okay. we. Yeah. Exactly. What, until we get some more concrete details oh, okay. on that. But anyways, <laughs> uh, we don't. We don't have any uh, details of when this acquisition will happen because it's not publicly announced. It's just a source from a paper that's been confirmed by numerous other sources. It's pretty mm. much a done deal at this point. So I don't know how fast these acquisitions typically happen. I have a feeling it's not that fast. I would think it's over the course of many, many months, even once it's announced. So we probably won't even be feeling the ramifications of this change for like a year, I bet, where we start seeing like, okay, like if we compare Crunchyroll now to what it was one year ago, we can see some really discernible differences between the Mm. two. But it might be a gradual change that we don't notice in the moment. Mm. Yeah, hopefully it's gradual and hopefully it's not something that that uh, completely uproots everything that people enjoy regarding the, the services they they benefit entertainment from. I feel like for the S- most part, the anime during lockdown, industry. lockdown's the last moment mm-hmm. where you want your source of entertainment to be yeah. uprooted. Yeah, what has changed or not changed, but been exponential is Demon Slayer's film sales. Oh, yeah, and so it's just breaking records across the board. <laughs> It's really insane. Awesome. So for those who don't know, uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba Demon Slayer, the Mugen Train movie, which animates the Mugen Train arc of the manga. It's apparently a very short arc that like lends itself very well to movie format. It's a direct sequel to the, uh, the series. It premiered in Japanese theaters on October 18th, and it had the biggest Japanese weekday and weekend opening ever for the country. <laughs> Beating out the likes of uh, Spirited Away and Weathering With You and Your Name. Wow. So it it made mm. $12.03 million in its opening day alone. Mm. And it went on to make $43.85 million over the course of three days. Compared to Shinkai's uh, $15.22 million in its first two days. It doesn't give me the three days. But yes, it's the biggest opening weekend ever. But wait. We're not done yet. It's not over. It also was, for the weekend it came out, it topped the global box office. So of all the movies that were airing across, that were premiering across, not premiering, but were just showing in theaters across the entire world, it had the greatest sales that weekend of anything. Yeah, that's amazing. So I'm very intrigued by this, actually. So I know that the manga in Japan was like the top selling manga for a period, beating out even One Piece. Which obviously implies that most people in Japan or most manga readers have read the Demon Slayer manga, which is obviously why a lot of people are seeing it. What I'm intrigued by though is that like with your name, for example, when that went global, anyone could go and see it. You you didn't need to have any prior knowledge. Whereas with Demon Slayer, you have to have either seen the anime or read the manga to be able to watch the movie. So how is that going to work globally? This is the caveat. It's like, I say it tops the global box office rankings, but... It's only out in Japan. Mm. So just with Japan by itself, it sold more than anything else in the whole world yeah, that's that was in theaters that's for that weekend. Yeah, and so I don't know. I feel like yeah, these numbers might be affected because of the fact that we're in a pandemic. Right. Well, that's the other thing is that it was only out in theaters, which is icky. Uh, so people were going to theaters to see this in Japan in droves, apparently. Mm, uh, that's not good actually i think that's the opposite of what you would expect for her during the pandemic because right. there was no digital showing of it it was only theaters mm. uh huh 
Yeah. So as, that's far, another as far as I've heard, though, like Japan get... has actually had like a really low infection rate. They've been doing well, but still to pack theaters of people in yeah, close proximity for a long period of time, that's still kind of icky. But wait, we're not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> because it uh, after one week, it broke the record for fastest film in Japan to earn 10 billion yen. Oh. So again, it beat the record holder of Spirited Away, which took 25 days to reach a billion yen. It hit that number in its first 10 days. Shattered, completely annihilated Spirited Away. I, um, I think yeah. it's amazing that Demon Slayer is like as popular as it is. And it was a relatively short-lived manga. Like mm-hmm. it, it's not like, it's yeah, not like one of the long-winning yeah. shonen. So it goes on for hundreds and hundreds of chapters. This was like, pretty compact it lasted a couple of years and then it ended but it's been mm-hmm. huge which is a testament to how good it is yeah and i, I really think it's am be- just interested in how it's shattering records but this like you said earlier this movie kind of does require context yeah mm. i do wonder like how many people are going into like what's the what's the pie chart look like of people who have either read the manga or watched the anime and people who haven't and saw this movie because there were some people that saw the My Hero Academia movies without having read or watched the series, and they still enjoyed it. So I, I do wonder uh, if that's the case. I mean, it has to be. It has to be the that's case for us to be yeah. this popular. I suppose the nice thing with Shonen stuff is it's very much like popcorn entertainment. So even mm-hmm. if you don't have all the context, you can still just appreciate good animation, mm-hmm. fun characters. Yeah, and then you can go action. back and check out the... And I, yeah, yeah, I guess that's why the My Hero Academia film has worked, because ultimately... Uh, you don't need to see all this series. It's, it's obviously recommended you do, but like you can still just have a good time with it and just look yeah, at it. Yeah, I feel like, like what also helped uh, the Demon Slayer movie in particular is that unlike a lot of other anime movies where it's like this is a movie original story, like people recognize the, the train arc. Uh, people know the train arc and it is consistently talked about and hyped about. Uh, so it might also have like the fact that people know exactly what they're getting into um, that, I don't know, I guess do people might like take, not be willing to take gambles on like other series movies. Um, but if, you know, UFO table has proven themselves with season one and people know that uh, the train arc, and I, I probably would say the train arc is up there with one of the, better slash best if not the best arc in demon slayer and there's also the fact um, that, that it's a canon yeah. arc whereas typically movies will be like made up stories yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly which yeah. you know that it could be entertaining but it's ultimately not going to be quite as good as the main series whereas with this film mm. it's like no this is the main series this is the canon material which is kind of like yeah this, and it, ha- it has weight to it yeah, yeah the security of like yeah not only is it you're not going to have Deku's glove happen in it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but, but I guess there's also a fact well, of like okay. there's going to be a lot of people who, who watch the anime and who want to watch the next part and it's like you have to see the movie like, so like if you want to continue the, case, the story you have to see what it. were the numbers what were the numbers like for the Maiden Abyss movie because that's literally the exact same situation oh um i have not seen any stories about that but also it came out a while ago in japan so i haven't seen anything recently mm. on it mm-hmm. but at the very least it, it's not on the same level as oh yeah Slayer, it's definitely not sure. on the yeah. same have level, you but, have you seen made in the best movie yet matt nope still have uh, not <laughs> did you enjoy it kyle i did uh yeah i did i, I had to think about that uh, yeah uh, I did. that's <laughs> a middling answer from you um there were some aspects of it where i'm like did i really have to watch this um 
specifically some of the more weird bondage torture stuff. I was like, all right, that's not cool. But aside from that, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's a pretty fucked up series. So I just kind of take whatever it throws in, in my stride. But, um, but yeah, it's pretty fucked up at times, but uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. yeah. So the, the record holder for highest grossing film in Japan is still Spirited Away. So uh, Demon Slayer has not taken that record yet, but at the rate it's going, it could, it, it, it has a decent shot of it. We'll see what happens in the long term. Mm. I'm excited, yeah. And I can't wait to mm-hmm. see it myself. Mm-hmm. Joined in the ranks of 2,000 zombies being resurrected from the dead, Hitalia World Stars Ugh. is getting an anime in spring 2021. Right. Just like, okay, what's next at this rate? Or in high school host club? I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I have much to say about this. I did watch some Hitalia back in high school. I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I showed it to my history teacher and he thought it was funny. So... <laughs> Uh, have you guys watched any of it as well? Or read the manga for that matter? Yeah. I, I'm not familiar with it, I'm afraid. <laughs> so Hitalia is basically personifying countries. <laughs> like all the countries ah. is personified as an anime Specifically, boy. Specifically the countries as they were during World War II. Yeah. Uh, how is Japan personified? I actually don't remember the details oh of the show. They were, they, they were, they were like allies to Nazi Germany, so... Mm. Yeah, they were an uptight uh, fucking, like, studious student, um, which, yeah, I guess that's... Not, yeah, so don't don't watch this if you're... Uh, it's not historically accurate. Yeah, right. it is not historically I, accurate. I was going to say as well, how was Germany personified? Germany's one of the main characters. They were the baddies of the war, uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so it, it hmm, how do i describe i i have uh, the original series the, the full title was hitalia axis powers uh mm-hmm. so you have italy who's kind of a sleepy idiot which you know yeah that's italy during world war ii uh and germany's just kind of there to like watch after italy and make sure they don't keep fucking themselves up um, and they're typically viewed, uh, portrayed, it's been uh, years, if yeah. not like a decade. Um, but from what I remember, now you can correct me, uh, Germany I hardly like remember the, anything. Germany was like the, uh, how, how, how would I describe them? Like, not uptight, but like very stern. stern. Oh, that, that's a stern friend who like watches out for their buddy. And yeah, it's that, very That's toothless. of course what it's we very, that's what we remember about Germany in the war. They were a, a bit stern yeah, yeah. and they were good babysitters. Yes, that is the legacy, yeah. really. So behind. that mm. is, uh, it's very toothless uh, anthropomorphization of World War II countries. Mm. Yeah, because it's still, it's still a comedy. It's not, it's not trying to like have a message or anything at all. It's more or less, it takes shots at every single country in the show is what I remember about it, essentially. Yeah. But yeah. it's getting more the, in 2021. The ah. one thing about Hitalia that I remember is that it was one of the main sources for early 2000s Yaoi fans. Oh, yes. And uh, oh, I'm pretty yes. sure that's where the paddle came from. I think so, too. Yeah. Harry, do you, you don't know need about to the know Yowie what the paddle, paddle is, Harry. Yeah, he, he doesn't need to know. What, what is the, the, the paddle? paddle? You don't need to know. I want to know. You can it's just, it's literally later. just a giant wooden <laughs> paddle that says Yowie on it. 
what is the you know what yaoi is yeah but but like what okay. is the context of this wooden paddle like like what is is, is, is early two thousands girls uh, that's it okay right well I'm sure you've given our our listeners something to Google mm-hmm. yeah. nice. so coming back to Netflix now. <laughs> So as I hinted at earlier, I should have just wrapped this up with the uh, the Nikkei report. But so Netflix is making reports, made a report with for Variety that is going to be dramatically increasing its investment into anime in the coming years. Uh, nice. It's it's statistics shows that anime titles appear in the top ten most watched list of over a hundred countries so far this year, and so that's why it is signing new production deals with anime companies, Science Saru and Mappa. Also with uh, Studio Studio Mir, which Studio Mir is responsible for uh, Avatar Korra. And so it's going to be initiating brand new partnerships with that. And it's announced five new original anime projects to join the 11 others it already has in development. And these range from little shorts to uh, CG shows. Um, Yeah, it's we've talked about this a lot on the podcast already is just. Netflix's growing prominence in the anime sphere. And uh, I, I'm not sure if there's much else we more we can say about it. It's just like, cool, more people will be aware of it. I just really wish they released the simul yeah. <laughs> watches. One of so the you, things that I do really like about Netflix um, is because they're obviously out of like all of the streaming services that deal with anime, maybe Amazon Prime might be up there, but... Netflix, I'd say, like, has the widest reach to the, like, highest diversity mm-hmm. demographic. Uh, um, and one of the really mm-hmm, nice yeah. things that I've noticed is that, especially over the past few months, they've been expanding their catalog, but they've been expanding their catalog by getting shows that, like, are the ones that got me into anime. Um, and the ones that I would recommend to people. Specifically, they've been adding a bunch of fucking uh, Kyo Annie shows, which is really cool to see. Um, but then you're getting stuff like Cardcaptor Sakura, which is like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that's like a very, I'd say previously like niche shows, like it's very prominent amongst yeah, anime I would fans. say it's, I would say Sakura is almost transformative. <laughs> you mentioned it in like yeah. a much earlier episode, Matt, but you said how like, yeah. uh, it was very progressive for its time. And, yeah, uh, it yeah, is. Yeah. Really, it's still progressive. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, I, I think, I oh, think sorry. Netflix is like a form because... With something like Crunchyroll or Funimation, if someone's getting those those apps, it's specifically to watch anime. Um, but with Netflix, you're going to get a lot of people who get it for for live action and who perhaps discover anime through Netflix accidentally. Right, yeah, because that's the other thing is that it's it's not being hidden in a corner. Like, yeah, from yeah, what yeah, I can yeah. tell, anime is like, it pops up in recommended cues plenty of times. Mm-hmm. And whether or not someone decides to check it out, that's up to them. But it's not like, it's you have to go search for it in Netflix or yeah. anything like that, and that's one of the reasons why that we're seeing these animal animal <laughs> animal anime titles appear on the top ten most watched lists across so many countries. Yeah, it's awesome. It doesn't. It unfortunately doesn't list what those shows are, but it, yeah, it's yeah. I just I'm glad and happy to see anime become more popular and become more mainstream. Yeah. and mm-hmm. don't have much more to add on that. Yeah, sweet. Mm-hmm. Also, in other news, uh, so just quick lightning news roundup. Lisa, who stunned the opening theme song for things like De- uh, Demon Slayer, Yaiba, yeah. yeah, and a bunch of Sword Art Online stuff and a bunch of Fate stuff, yada, yada, yada. She is the first solo female artist to top the singles chart 
for two straight weeks in a decade. Oh wow! In Japan, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. What single is it? Yeah. Yeah, Homura, which is the theme song for Kimetsu no Yaiba Train. So it must and, be a damn and, good and song. It all makes sense. Of course, it's huge yes. at the box office as a film, and it, it naturally the single is huge in the charts. Yeah. Ah, yeah, exactly. it all makes sense. I'm really, really fucking excited to see the film. Um, yeah, I'm proud of her. Yeah, I think I, I really like also that like, there's a consistency of like she did the theme song for the series and then she did the theme mm-hmm. song for the movie. I like that consistency. That's yeah. awesome. And the, al- the album art is her standing on a train Ooh. track. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Appropriate. Also related to uh, artists. So are you guys familiar with the uh, the group Claris? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah, so it did things like the Madoka opening, the Orima opening, among many others. So what I didn't realize, and now what I think back on it, it makes sense, is like, they never have shown their face before. Like, they've had in-person concerts, but they've always had masks on. And whenever they did videos, it's always been either animated music videos or it's just like hmm. the way that the videos crop doesn't show their face and things like that. And so when I saw that this story, it, that they've revealed their face for the first time, um... I didn't realize that was a story, but it is a big story. Ah. So that for the first time since their debut, uh, it's their 10th anniversary. Since, since their debut 10 years ago, they have revealed their faces um, at their 10th anniversary mm. uh, concert. And it was a big hit and people are stoked about nice. that. And I think that's pretty neat because, yeah, they've definitely popped up in my radar did, did they, over the years. Did they have like tentacles on their faces? Was there a reason they were hiding their faces? <laughs> or was it just purely for, for They're coolness? They're absolutely hairy. Absolutely, Harry. Yes, it was Harry. It was Harry all along. along. He was keeping. <laughs> oh, yes. that's Harry. Yeah, sure, that Harry too. <laughs> it was me, Dio. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> no, it was just an air mystique. Yeah, just to uh, kind of give their fans something ah. to latch on. I like that. I, I, yeah, I like anonymity. Uh, anonym. Wait, anonymity. And you got it. You got anonymity. It, you know? anonymity yeah. In, uh, in music, it. I think that's it's really one. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Stein series is getting a new visual novel. Stein's calling. I'm wary about it. I'm wary about it. I saw the news announcement for that. And I'm especially wary when I'm pretty sure it was the creative director of the series said, uh, did you really think the future of this world line would be happy? And I'm like, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. Yeah. Don't I? We don't. We didn't need more. We didn't need it, more. It I, and like, I wasn't super happy with the way Zero panned uh, out. And I guess so the with the original series, it felt like, it felt like it explored that premise as much as it could, and it went as far as yeah. it could with it. You could. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is like you can definitely get, like Zero had such a great premise. It's just they dropped the ball on it pretty hard. What, what was um, the premise? Didn't explore it. AI. AI, right. Um, and uh, it could have been like a really good uh, look into like the human relationship with AI and like stuff that we've treaded before. But I really liked the way that Steinsgate approached time travel, and I thought they'd be doing something interesting with uh, AI, but they just kind of didn't. Yeah, the AI was honestly kind of coincidental. Oh, or, or, or they could have said, "Let's keep this time travel stuff, but let's change characters, change location completely, totally different cast." That could have been good too. It's just, therefore, it's still in the same world and whatnot, and there can be little links back to uh, the original cast, but it's a totally new. Set up a totally new thing. So, I, so you, I have been but, gradually yeah. disappointed with the Steinsgate franchise mm. um, and just having fun watching it slowly kill itself. Yeah, I'm just going to stick with the original. That's all. Original is fantastic. Need. 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. 
What's also 10 out of 10 is a lot of Mamoru Hosoda's movies. So things such the director behind The Girl Who Left Through Time, Summer Wars, uh, The Boy and the Beast, and Wolf Children. Oh. Uh, we recently, he recently came out during the Tokyo Anime Award Festival 2021 press event and has announced that the storyboards for his next work are, quote, just about done. Oh, nice. So we can look forward to hearing about that. I thought, you were, I thought you were for me, he came yeah. out recently. I was like, that's, that's, that's lovely. <laughs> I'm also really, ha- really happy for him. But no, you mm-hmm. disappointed me. Yeah, I'm sorry. But yeah, Mamoru Hosoda, he's, he doesn't have like the nuclear groundbreaking hit like uh, Your Name that Shinkai has. But I, to me, he's the most consistent, consistent. movie director. Like I've enjoyed mm-hmm. all of his movies at least a lot. I loved, loved, loved Wolf Children. Oh, yeah. absolutely Wolf adored Children that movie. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, but I've at least like liked a lot the rest of his movies. Whereas Shinkai, his works before Your Name were like eh, okay, but maybe a little artist too artisticy. And then there was Weathering with You, which is like bleh. I, I think. But then there's Your Name, which yeah. is like whoa. I think the thing that I really like about Hosoda's work is that they're they have their own stakes, but they're not like titanically earth-shattering like right. Shinkai tends to do with his movies. It's not like mm-hmm. do or die. I mean, you have like very, um, you know, important like do or die moments for characters in most of his movies, but they're, I'd say they're a lot more, not grounded, but laid back. I, I, I would almost say grounded. Yeah. It's like, they don't, they don't tend to, uh, they don't escalate more than they have to. Yeah, 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 like yeah. I remember when I was showing Wolf Children to my family and like they the mother was just introduced to like the countryside town. And the first thing my mom and sister were like thinking is like, oh, that old man's probably like an ancient vampire or something that knows about their whole situation and things like that. And that that never was the case. It really was just a normal town. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like if Shinkai came up with the same premise, he might try to insert something like that into it. High supernatural um, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that in that case, it, it's more grounded. Mm-hmm. I think it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't insert any more supernatural elements into his stories than he has to. Mm-hmm. And then finally, to wrap this all up, a thirteen-year-old girl fulfilled her dream of getting to date Godzilla. End of story. That's, moving on. Oh, all right, anyway. That's no quite random. <laughs> good, good for I'm happy for I'm I happy guess. for yes. I, I didn't yes, realize Godzilla couple. was a pedophile. Oh, that hmm. that's another way of looking at the story. But uh that is true. Let's move on. Let's let's look at it through a more positive <laughs> lens. This girl got her dream. Great. Exactly. She had her dream fulfilled. What, what, what more can you ask for? All right. It's time for our Shitsu Moon. Matt, what, what is Matt? The what month. is the context of that story? <laughs> what is what is the it, context of this story? <laughs> you can't leave it there. I mean, now that Harry, now that Harry's asking about it, like, yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. We'll get back to it. Uh, basically, there's a a 13 year old girl Godzilla uh, Godzilla Otaku in Japan, and there's a variety show called it's Night Night Scoop. And she was talking about how, like, jokingly, it's her dream to date Godzilla. And then so while they're interviewing her, they, like, open up her blinds. And there's just a dude <laughs> in a Godzilla yeah. costume standing outside of there. And she freaks out. And they, like, show her going on these, like, cute little fake dates and her, like, feeding noodles through the Godzilla mouth costume. All right. it's That's really mental funny. and weird, but really adorable. <laughs> I'm very happy yeah, for her. I'm... I'm, I'm so I'm so tickled that you just couldn't let me. No, like that. I was, I was gonna leave, and I thought, no, it bothers me too much. What I thought the air of mystique, you know, helped, but you no, know, that's that's cute too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that out of the way, 
we will move on to our Godzilla size Shitsumon of the month. And so as we said before, we were recording on the 31st of October and this year of 2020, which means it's time for some spookiness. Oh. Uh, the, the issue is, as we already touched on in the intro, is that Harry and I don't really do much horror. Kyle does. Uh, he love really it. loves horror. I so love it. What, what we are going to uh, turn this topic into is not necessarily horror anime, but horror elements in anime. And I'm extending that out. And I know the shows we're going to talk to, people are going to be like, that's not horror, that's thriller, that's suspense and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, like, cut us some slack. It's anything that makes your heart go doki doki in a way that's not, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so horror elements in anime and how they kind of uh, inform the story they're telling, how they're used well, and how they can create various different uh, feelings inside of us that really move the narrative forward in meaningful ways. And the one example we always, always come back to is Made in Abyss kind of things we already touched on in that. And other, others we uh, are huge are things such as Satoshi Khan's work that Kyle, I know you have very strong feelings on. Do you want to get us kicked off on this? Oh, yeah. So Satoshi Khan stuff is all very... It's psychological horror. Um, so they're all... I categorize most of his work as at least thrillers, but if you want to look at mm -hmm. like stuff where it is pretty much horror, um, I, I'd say Paranoia Agent is up there uh, just because it involves this uh, concept of a supernatural force. Um, and it works really well because it's also um, a metaphor for the character's uh, own anxiety and stuff like that. But what I think is a staple of horror is this, um, is the presence or the existence of an outside force. Um, mm -hmm. and one that has its own agency. So with, with Made in Abyss, you have like horror elements, right? Where it's like, oh, that's a uh, terrifying. And there's like the, the, the dread of going against the unknown, but specifically with horror, a lot of the thrill and excitement there is when you have something specifically like hunting for you. Um, or something mm -hmm. that is uh, very deliberately going after you. So, uh, paranoia agent has you know, the God. It's been so long, and I forget his act, or like what the show calls him, but the rollerblade kid with the, 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 the baseball bat. Yeah. Um, so he he's like this presence that's looming over the characters, and you know they're they're all terrified that you know they're going to be next. Um, and that's you know, that, that that's what I would call straight up horror. Um, yeah, and that's of, what you see in Friday the 13th and just yeah, all, like, all classic slasher, slasher, flicks, slasher films, yeah. yep, stuff like that. Um, one of the ones that I'd actually say, if we're looking at like, so say we take horror elements, right? You know, you, we, we take like monsters and those uh, typical like environments and stories. I'd say at least the first season of Jojo uh, is very, is literally a horror it, it's Castlevania. Mm, yes, it got um, like an old English itself. kind of horror aesthetic to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that has you know, Dio as the monster, um, and I feel like does it, that actually does, does 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 that season actually make you feel uneasy though? At any point, <laughs> that's I, not the feeling I, that I said. No, to I wouldn't say it does. Um, but, but, but I think there's plenty of moments in JoJo where they show the characters being scared. If that makes sense, like kind of scary yeah. shit is happening to the characters, so but you don't feel other... scared as a viewer. Yeah, on that point, though, one of the things that I enjoy about horror, I wouldn't say, like, I get terrified, maybe I'll get a little squeamish, but one of the things that, like, I love about it is the just utter fascination um, with the grotesque. 
so with, I, I'd say, I, I haven't, but from what I've seen, because um, I haven't watched past Stardust Crusaders, um, the seasons afterwards don't get as, I guess, gruesome? Um, or, hmm. The, the, the environment of dread isn't necessarily as, like, as important as in season one. Because uh, season one is set in old Victorian England, uh, setting up all of these, like, very dark and uh, mysterious monster hunting vibes that it goes with. Um, and that's where I'd say that's, that, that's one of the facets of horror and why, like, I enjoy Junji Ito's work. Um, because it's a lot of just looking straight into the, gro- straight into the eye of the grotesque. Mm. Um, and that's you know one of the other appeals of Made in Abyss, right? Is you know, just watching all of these like unsettling things. I think I think a huge mm-hmm. element is fair, and it's it's fair in any good horror film is mystery. Um, mm-hmm. Who's seen a film called It Follows? Oh yeah, so but I think we've talked about this before. Oh we, yeah. yeah, so we, we probably have. I was just going to make the point of like um, again, I probably made this in the past, but uh, It Follows is great. But the point where it kind of starts to dip off for me is when you discover more about the monster and about the way the monster kills, when that mystery is shattered, it feels like a Mm -hmm. lot of the fear goes away. Um, And talking about Jojo, it's obviously not a horror or even a thriller really in any way, but something that's really great. And the reason why the characters are so scared is because there'll be an element of mystery. They'll go somewhere and then it's like, shit, our limbs are rotting off or something's going wrong someone mm, somewhere mm. has the power to do this where, where there's a stand attack happening and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Oh, of course, this, yeah, this is a, a like, peak when like mm-hmm. one of the antagonists can manipulate time and they're thinking, what yeah. the fuck is happening? Why, why, why is like, like all these phenomena are happening and they've got to realize like, oh shit, someone here is manipulating time. How are they doing it? And that's part of the mystery and the suspense. Mm-hmm. And I'd say like right. I think yep. Go ahead. Uh, b- before that gets revealed, right? Like there, there is that element of horror because uh, unlike <clears throat> other you know, shonen, uh, the way that JoJo approaches it because it's so fucking bizarre. Um, but um, uh, psh- uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, I realized that as I said it. Um, because it's so out there and bizarre. Uh, one of the things that like gets you about it is that it does seem like this unstoppable force. Mm. There is actually an episode in a, in the new season where they fight a stand called Notorious B.I.G. And the, oh my God. They're, they're on a plane. Um, and this stand uh, basically will follow the fastest thing in the vicinity. Um, so if everyone stood, stood still and someone's moving really, really slowly, it will follow them. And when it latches onto you, it starts to consume you. But there's a point where they chuck it off the plane as the plane's moving. And then they find out later on that it's still following the plane. It's going that fast, so it can, it can follow anything. It's like an infinite degree. Um, and, and as it latches back onto the plane, there's a jump scare. And as JoJo episodes go, it's certainly one of the most unnerving due to how it handles it. It's an incredibly claustrophobic space with this sort of um, unkillable monster. And there's some jump scares thrown mm. in as well. And the person fighting this monster is a member of the group who's uh, only just awakening to her stand power. So she's much weaker than the rest at this point. Um, and it's fucking great. Like, like, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's horror, of course, but it certainly plays with horror elements. Um, and yet again, it's a testament as to why the new season of JoJo is like a 10 out of 10 for me. It's so, it's so, so good. 
I want to go back to uh, what Harry's point was about uh, revealing the the cause or why it's happening. Like why you said like it follows why it lost steam for you once you learn. And there is a trick to that. It's like how do you um, reveal what's the cause of it and still maintain that sense of tension? Like that's not the solution. You still mm-hmm. have to. Um, that that's not the end there. And so what I feel like does that really well is Higurashi when they cry. And I can't go into too many details here because it's huge spoilers. And I know Kyle's still going through the original. And yes. And so basically the whole premise of Higurashi is that there is this thing called Oyashiro-sama's curse where um, the night of this festival, one person um, is found dead and one one person goes missing. Like, like clockwork every single year, it always happens. And so that's the main thrusting crux of this whole story is Oyashiro-sama's curse. And the way that they kind of change your perspective of the curse as you go through the series, like, oh, it's this, oh, no, it's this, no, it's that. And you're kind of like, it's constantly evolving in these always really dynamic and um, natural ways. It never feels like you get all the pieces of the puzzle at once. And then finally, once you have pieced everything together, it's still not enough. It's like, okay, we know what the curse is now, but that's not enough to overcome what's happening in this village in the mountains of 1983 Japan. And that's what really, yeah. um, that's the what really draws you into the show is like, okay, what next? And I think that's that's something that horror elements can really convey as well is really drive that what next mm. factor of, okay, mm-hmm. um, we killed one, for example, we killed one of our characters. What next? Were they necessary? Do How do we make our way out of this? We, we lost our like, or playmaker. Yeah. Um, whereas like you you can get that feeling in other genres like shonen and things like that, but not to the same degree. Like you typically get that at an end of an arc, like mm. Deku beats overhaul. Okay, what next? But in the middle of the arc, it's like, okay, we know Deku is going to beat overhaul at some point. So yeah. you're not you don't have that question. Whereas mm. horror elements really, really make you question that constantly. Yeah. And that's the sign of a good horror. Well, that's the whole point of this. I, I guess it's not like yeah. you, you shouldn't know what happens. Yeah. And to, to create a yeah. feeling where any character is killable. Again, yep. is and and mm-hmm. again, sorry to bang on about it, but JoJo's really fucking good at that. Oh my god. At uh, fucking like <laughs> killing off characters you don't expect to die. Um, yeah, like the, 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 the thing I was going to use as an example anyway for this, um, and I think it's a fairly obvious pick, and it's something we mentioned earlier, but it's Dangan Romper. Um, which mm-hmm. to me is, it kind of gets everything you, you've just said. Um, and I, I've, I've not seen the anime, I've only played the games, but they're, they're anime games. Yeah, right, they, yeah, they can work. And um, I actually did write an article about this a, a couple of years ago when I first played through them, but uh, there's this constant feeling of dread and this constant feeling of mm. despair, which is which is part of the narrative. Like Monokuma says, like he wants to make you feel despair. And you kind of do feel that as a player in a weird way, but this feeling of like, mm-hmm. it's just very uncomfortable and unsettling the idea of it. Like, now, is it coming from like, how much you don't know because going back to matt's point about higurashi and things getting slowly pieced together one of the things that i really enjoy about it is that when you do learn more it doesn't help it just makes things more fucked right so have you played danganronpa before kyle i haven't that's been on my back okay i played the first so so basically the third one's good it's not quite as good but it's still good but um the premise is like uh Various high school students are locked together in some sort of location. In the first game, it's a school. In the second game, it's a tropical island. And in the third game, it's a juvenile correction facility. And they're all stuck together. 
and they're told to start murdering each other. And of course, at oh, first, yeah. everyone's like, oh, fuck, we don't want to do that. We're not going to do that. But then suddenly you hear a body's been discovered and one of this cast of wow. about 15 people has been killed. And all your and and the key the key point is like if you kill someone and get away with it they'll let yeah. you go. So so so, yeah, so Monokuma, the mastermind behind it, incentivizes people, otherwise good people, to commit murder. And he plays on their fears, he plays on their um, insecurities to, to kind of convince them to commit murder. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, there's this horrible feeling of like as you're approaching a certain room and you open the door and it cuts to it to a cut scene which shows the body. You're thinking, who's being killed? I hope it's not one of my favorite characters. And there are times it will be. Um, Danganronpa 2 is one of my favorite games because it does kill off some of the best characters and it's really tragic. And it creates this real feeling of like despair. And, and then you go and you find out the murderer is another character you love. Uh, and it, it, yeah, it, and most of the time it's, again, they, they're not a bad person and you have no hard feelings against them. It's just the situation mm, they were put in. And, and that's it. It's just that feeling of like, Again, like you have to do an investigation where you're wandering around and, and just that feeling of hanging around the body of a character that you love, mm-hmm. seeing them bleed out or whatever. It's just, it's fucking grim and it's bleak and, and it, it, it's it's very unsettling and it, it, it creates the, that vibe so well. So I, like I said, I didn't finish the third game, but the, I did play the first case of the third game and that oh, case... Yeah. Fucked yeah. me up <laughs> so badly by the end of it. Like I, I was trembling by the end of it i'm like i can't believe they just did that and i felt terrible by the end of it and i think that's something that that horror i think that's another thing is like it's really hard to do like in slasher films it's always the archetypes like you dumbass why would you do that you deserve that Mm -hmm. but i think really good horror is when like you somehow feel like you feel bad for them and you feel like you could have helped them you feel like it, you almost feel like it was your fault as an onlooker, and Danganronpa nails that feeling in space. And part of that is because it's a video mm-hmm. game, yes. But I also feel like you can pull that off in uh, anime as well. Uh, again, going back to Higurashi, I feel like um, there are numerous times where, uh, in, in the new series especially, which by the way, you need to watch the original before watching the new series. Um, in the new series especially, there are many times where you are synced with the characters and their mindset and their thinking mm. and you see them doing something. It's like, yes, good job, good on you. And then that backfires. And so you feel like you yourself made that decision and caused that outcome and you feel terrible oh. about it. And mm. so I think that's something that horror films, horror medias in general could really stand as like syncing your thoughts and feelings with that of the characters I, to really yeah, put I was you gonna say one of I know uh, again I'm not really a horror buff by any means, but I know a big pet peeve for a lot of people is when they're watching a horror film and their reaction is no, don't go in there, don't do that. And it's this yeah. feeling of like, don't do that, you stupid character. That's where the killer is, that's yeah. where the monster is. And and you want to create that feeling of like what the character is doing, it's what you would do in that situation too. So then if it fucks up and backfires, mm. it's like, oh my fucking god, that's awful. But I understand why they did it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's typically one of the like best ways uh, to convey that sense of horror and dread. And Junji Ito does that really well with his uh, series because the way it works, or the way he tends to do it, is that it's a very slow descent and a very gradual like pace 
uh, until there's a certain point where you don't even realize you've got you realize you've gone past the point of no return. And it's the recognition of you are in too deep now and you can't do anything that really cements the horror. And that's when things start to ramp up. Mm. It's the moment you realize that you're trapped. Yeah, that. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Um, that's one of the, uh, one of my favorite parts about Berserk. Um, <clears throat> so in, I don't know how much you guys know about Berserk or the, the story arcs, uh, but there's one arc called the Golden Arc. Um, and there is some shit that happens. Um, and you already know that like things are going to go bad, but it's like, you see how well they're doing beforehand. And it's like, you just want them to stay there. You just want them to be okay. Mm. But then you gradually, slowly things getting chipped away. And it's like from the character's perspective and you know, to your point earlier, uh, how, you know, it feels like, yeah, they're making the right decisions. This is the right call. And then the supernatural just kind of takes a giant shit all over them. Um, and that's when, like, it, the, the supernatural, the unstoppable force becomes such an effective storytelling tool. Because in spite of everything, in spite of your best efforts, it just wasn't enough. It doesn't care. Mm. It doesn't care. It does not care. And, and so in that arc, the supernatural force, like when you look back in the earlier parts in retrospect, is does it, does it have a presence throughout all that? Oh yeah. Like oh yeah. Were, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and that's yeah, what's great about it is like it, it, it's it's a buildup and like you you have it stewing in the back of your mind. Um, mm -hmm. It's like when yeah, is the other I, shoe going to drop? I think I think I've talked about this before, but <laughs> the difference in thinking like I feel like something is wrong and there is something wrong. When you feel like something is wrong, but you're not quite sure, you're constantly kept in that sort of limbo, mm. and that's constantly like chipping away at your uh, your concentration and your uh, ability to comprehend all the uh, cues that are being given to you in a story. Whereas if you know something is wrong, it's like okay, I'm focused. I'm like looking for anything that feels out that not feels, but is out of place to try to piece it together. Whereas when you're just kind of like left in the shaky spot, it's like okay, maybe I'm overthinking this. Maybe I should just like go along for the ride. And that's when a story puts you in that mindset, that's when it really has the capability of completely and utterly entrapping you. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of that right now off the top of my head, but I'm blanking. I know, I know there's definitely some anime that have made me feel that. Do you guys understand what I'm saying in that regard though? Uh, kind of. Like... I was thinking about Berserk, because Kyle mentioned Berserk. I've been very daydreamy tonight. I don't know why. Maybe it's just, maybe it's for lockdown. That daylight, that daylight is, is messed with my head. Like, like my, yeah. Um, no, like, like what, what was it you, you said towards the end? Because So the, the, the difference between you feel like something is off and something is off. Oh, something does feel off. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do, I do get what you mean. Because again, I'll reference it again, Danganronpa, where like uh there'll be certain days when like you're you're out and about as the character and you're you're playing the game and you think oh fuck a body's going to be discovered and it doesn't happen and, and, and like you're waiting for something to go wrong but nothing's going wrong everything's going fine and then yeah. when you're not expecting it it's like a body's been discovered it's like oh my fucking god like it's constantly fucking with your expectations of when things are mm -hmm. going to go wrong is right. it like a it's sudden a uh, shift, though? Because uh, with Higurashi, um, it kind of is gradual, and you can kind of see it coming 
down the road and it's just a matter of how fucked up is it going to be this time? Mm. Um, yeah, for uh, it's it's usually very sudden for Danganronpa. You can you can like kind of metagame it. It's like okay, I've been playing for X number of hours. Like something needs to happen soon, or else we just don't have a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's always just like okay, we were doing fine, and now someone's dead. Mm-hmm. In Danganronpa, and that's the whole point of it. There's times when our yeah. characters will be doing everything they can to make sure someone doesn't die. So you're like, oh, this is the last time someone would die. But then obviously something happens. Nope. Um, yeah. And and like, I think that's what's amazing about it. Like, it's it's not a scary game, but it's such an unnerving game. It's such an uncomfortable game. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that's kind of juxtaposed with this very sort of happy anime aesthetic. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that juxtaposition between them. It, it's they're, they're fantastic. Like like the, the second one in particular is just incredible. I think. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. all three of them are good. All three of them are, are good games, definitely. They're worth checking out, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's been on my back. Like, I might... Uh, so, because Cyberpunk 2077 got delayed, uh, mm-hmm. I now have three days of PTO uh, that I just took off. And I'm like, all right, I, I think I'm going to play more video games. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, to... So, it's interesting because everything that we've talked about thus far has been putting people in a position of powerlessness... Right. And that's where the horror comes Mm -hmm. from. Um, And I'd say like one of the series that makes heavy use of horror and horror elements and just straight up grotesque fucking nightmare fuel is Devilman Crybaby. But the main character is the opposite of powerless. He's like the one person that can like fight these monsters and demons. Um, But I think the horror there... uh, comes from the fact that like, he's it, it, like the, the monsters in and of themselves are grotesque and fucking terrifying. So like with, with Berserk, right? Uh, outside of uh, the Golden Ark, um, it's just kind of guts the main character going around on his own um, and fighting monsters. And you never really doubt that he can beat them. But the horror there comes from the fact that the monster designs are so fucking terrifying. Like they are legitimate, like, just take a just google berserk monsters and you will be mm-hmm. upset um but th- the other part of that too is like seeing how the monsters will just fuck up normal people mm-hmm. um and that's where like it's alleviated when guts comes in uh right to to mess them up and kill them but it's the same kind of thing with devil man cry baby where a lot of the monster designs are really fucking god awful and you see how much they can just rip through normal people um in that like it, I, I i guess i would say it doesn't like give you the same kind of dread that a normal horror series might but it's still playing into fear and it still uses fear I as think, a storytelling i think element. what i think the the strength of that kind of setup is that yes even if there is someone that can save you from the supernatural force they're not always going to oh, be yeah, there. You can yeah. still be at the mercy of it. And I think that that's kind of the feeling that instills in you. It's a different kind of dread, but it's just like you, even if you think you're safe or not, not even that, like even if you believe someone out there can save you, they're not always going to save you no matter what. So, and I, <clears throat> interesting point on that. That's actually how um, I'd say maybe it takes a little too far sometimes, but Goblin Slayer does that um, pretty well mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of different situations where it's like, uh, yeah, this is like a dude who has lived his entire life just to kill goblins. But, you know, sometimes the group might get into some shit and you're like, oh, this is 
skirting a little too close to comfort um, mm. or to things and being like Goblin Slayer. Yeah. yeah. Goblin Slayer too. You hear about the stories that took yeah. place like yes. outside the scope of the story mm-hmm. that Mr. Goblin Slayer had no part in. It's just like, yeah, it's, you can't help everyone and horrible things will continue happening. Yeah. And that's the fun part. Well, quote unquote fun. <laughs> I enjoy it. Fun part about something like Berserk, Devilman Crybaby. Um, it's just the world is fucking awful. Mm. Uh, and it, mm. it really is just letting your imagination like do the worst of it. I mean, I so I haven't played a huge amount of Bloodborne. Um, oh, Bloodborne! But would so you say that the good. world? Would you say that yeah. the world is like super fucked up? Yeah, that's the impression. I, I, so I, was, yeah. I actually played yeah. a, and, and it gets. I more played and more a little bit of Bloodborne <laughs> again yesterday. Um, just like I started a new save file. I only played like a couple of hours, but um, oh my it's God. just so fun. It's really really good. But yeah, it's like it's a hella bleak world, very dark mm, and yeah, very and it just gets more and more so. Like I. I don't want to, it's not really a twist, but it's, it's one of those moments you talked about earlier, Kyle, where like you come to a realization is like, wait, how long has it been like this? Oh, okay. um, and you think back on it, it's like, wait, I started here and now I'm here. What in the hell, the hell did that happen? Hmm. It, it does that extraordinarily well. I wish I could tell the story, but it's. I think it lets you piece things together. There's also little yeah. things like, like from what I remember, um, you might remember better than me, Matt, but there's a, like a chapel where you can send various NPCs to it, where they can kind of seek mm-hmm. safe haven there. Yeah. One of the people you meet, though, you don't realize, but he's a murderer. And if you send him to the oh, chapel, he starts fuck. he starts killing people there. And, yeah. like, that's really fucked up. Because that, that's, like, not yeah. a, a, a confrontation or, like... Wait, a, is there a way you can find out they're a murderer beforehand? Just, you have to be... They just act super sketchy. But, like, up mm. until that point, like, every every NPC you recruit has been a benefit. And so you don't really, and that's, that's kind of like dark souls and just souls porn in a nutshell. It's just like that nihilistic nature of it. Mm. Uh, so you could have the best intentions in this case and it could backfire. Oh I, I was absolutely mega gaming and following a guy <laughs> through my first playthrough. And it said like, don't recruit this guy. I'm like, duly noted. I, I felt no I, shame There's another regard. thing you can do. You can send him somewhere else where he gets killed, I believe. Nice. I think, I'm not sure. All right, we'll, we'll end this segment with a little bit of Junji Ito uh, trivia. I, I'm, I do regret not being able to talk about him more. It's just that, unfortunately, Kyle is the only one of us three that has Re- Read his, works. his stuff. Um, I'd say the, uh, I forgot the full name, but Amigahara Fault is a classic. That's the, this hole was made for me story. But will I be able to sleep afterwards? <laughs> Yeah, that's his least upsetting story. I like how you put that. All right, so a little trivia. Do you know what uh, Mr. Junji Ito was working as before he became a mangaka? Oh my god, I... he had an when, he fir- when he first published his 1984 he had an, uh, or, an OnlyFans yeah. account <laughs> before the internet yes. existed. Somehow, he was a pioneer. OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> no, I'm I'm unaware. He was. He was a dental technician. Oh, that's right. Yes. Oh, my God. So a bit of a a fun little trivia there. Um, I don't know if either. I I think I've talked about it before, but uh, are either of you guys aware of the video game World of Horror? I'm not aware of it. I played it at PAX. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So World of Horror um, is very much heavily inspired by Junji Ito's work. And Panstaz, the developer, uh, is a dentist. 
Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about and that. Yeah, it, it makes yep, sense. Yeah. Yep. So it's a lot of uh, grotesque body horror. Yeah, okay. but there is something there, kind there of there grotesque is, about like dental stuff. So I mean, there is there is a study that like dentists they're more likely to have like okay. Uh, first of all, they are the most likely medical profession to commit suicide. Oh, um, but yeah, okay. yeah, there's that. Um, but they it's also. Uh, of the medical profession, they also have been found to have these kinds of thoughts. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, these kind of out there thoughts. And there's something about staring to people's mouths all day. Yeah. It's interesting. But uh, more fun facts is that I didn't realize it, but yeah, we had Jeff Keeley and Guillermo del Toro and uh, Conan and Brian in Death Stranding, but Junji Ito was also in Death Stranding. I didn't know oh, that. Huh. Did you guys? Yeah. Because he was also uh, working with Del Toro and Kojima on Silent Hills before that got shut down. And so he oh, came back for Death Stranding as one of the cameos. Okay. I don't think either of you played it, but yeah, he was one of the uh, people ah. that you could meet. I didn't know what he looked like at the time, so I didn't recognize him. But I see his picture now in Wikipedia, and I see the Death Stranding. I'm like, oh, yep, that's definitely Junji Ito. Um, as far as inspirations for some of his most prominent works, such as, uh, where'd it go? Tomoe. So Tomoe is about an, an immortal girl who drives her stricken admirers to madness. This was inspired by the death of one of his classmates. And he felt that it was so sudden that it didn't feel real to him and that he, it, it, he expected him to show up again like nothing happened. It, it was really weird to him. And so that's how he came up with this girl mm. that was supposed to have died, but she showed up as if nothing happened. Meanwhile, Gyo, which is about fish that is controlled by a sentient bacteria called the death stench. It was inspired by his anti-war feelings developed when he was a child due to his parents' tragic and frightening war stories. Oh, so, oh interesting. Just a, just a little peek behind That's the That's really cool. Oh, good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that will bring us to a wrap of our Halloween special, Spooky Ween special of our anime Ichiban episode. Do we episode. have spooky music playing right now? Uh, is there Does Danganronpa have spooky music? They do, but I can also I can definitely throw in some Alley Alley Project songs in here. That's like what do you associate with spooky music? Sweet, and, uh, we'll get a spooky like outro going. going. Mm -hmm. All righty. So as always, Harry, I know that we can't find you on Twitter Harry. anymore. Would you like to plug anything else about your um, You can check out my SoundCloud if you want to hear the one remix I've uploaded. Um, that's Corison Music. So that is C-O-R-I-S-O-N Music. I think that's what my SoundCloud name is. I'm pretty sure it's Corison Music. It's either that <laughs> or, or, or Corison. Wait, come back come back to me. Let me double check. Well, and what's the remix uh, of? It's sort of uh, an Irish song called uh, Horse Outside. Basically, there's, um, oh. so there's a, a guy called, it's kind of like an Irish comedy rap song uh, by a band called Rubber Bandits. But the reason I chose it is because uh, the guy who sings in it has a podcast called The Blind Boy Podcast, which I've been listening to loads this year. Um, so it's like a little tribute to him. But uh, let me just make sure it's definitely right, my SoundCloud name. Irish rap. <laughs> well, Harry gets that. Kyle, what about you? You can find me at Like the Rogue on Twitter uh, or on other, I don't really use other social media platforms. So Twitter, there you go. <laughs> Uh, recommendation. What would I recommend? Uh, I recommend you watch Hololive Ian. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... You're supposed to be our manga rec person. Uh, I haven't well, really been too. reading manga. I've been watching a bunch of VTubers. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> was the last episode where we were like, oh, 
What are VTubers? No, it was the episode before was that. It? Okay. Last episode, we were already into Did it. Did we talk about... I don't know. It's, it's, it's been a blur. It's been a fucking yeah. VTuber blur. But there you go. Watch them. Um, I have... I, I enjoy all of them. They are all wonderful girls. Yep. I would recommend any of their Among Us streams for sure. Mm. Absolutely. Still need to watch Gurus. I, I am to oh, to yeah. to confirm I'm actually just Corison on SoundCloud. I'm Corison Music on Twitter, but I don't really use Twitter anymore because it is very toxic. I'm I'm not enjoying the vibe on Twitter. So uh That yeah. is fair. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. I'm sick of like uh, oh no, I won't say anything because I'll just get, I'll go into a fucking rant and it's no, no time. We'll end it. Okay. <laughs> 2020 has been All bad right. for people. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, you can find me on the toxic Twitter at nice. using Mojack, M-U-S-I-N-G-M-O-J-A-C-K. Uh, you can also find a whole bunch of actual stuff on our anime section on Goomba Stomp lately. Uh, you, can, you can find my Hololive piece. You can find our upcoming seasonal viewers guide as well, which we will be putting up in the coming week. Look forward to that. My anime recommendation for this episode is going back and watching the original Higurashi. Uh, I am absolutely adoring the new Higurashi, but as of the fourth episode of it, I am firmly in the camp that you have to watch the original before watching Really? This okay, one. I was wondering yes. about that because I had heard from people that it was just a straight-up like remake, but uh, a lot of people are also like, mm, based on how the original series was told, this might be a deliberate choice. Right, yeah, exactly. I I don't want to go into specifics because it really is better that you experience it for yourself. Okay. But yeah, absolutely okay. watch the original before watching the All new right. one. For, until a fourth episode, I'm like, hey, you could you could maybe just jump right in here, but no. Like, really? Okay, original, that's good sure. to hear. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I, I lied. We'll... I have a manga recommendation because it's getting an anime <laughs> adaptation. Uh, Goku Shufudo, Way of the House Husband, is fucking fantastic. It's... Oh. Uh, I've heard of that. Yakuza, but if it were about a uh, house husband, <laughs> it's the exact same it- kind of like campy over the top tone. It's like these cutthroat, like macho, like brutal Yakuza dudes, like getting into fights over grocery shopping. Ah. I've heard it, of it's, it's fantastic. It's really good. And the yeah. art's really good, too. It's also getting a live action, too. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Which could turn it, nice. could turn out well, from what I know. I saw, like... Anyways. Yeah, anyways. So, read it. We, now, yeah, now, now we are done. <laughs> now we're so done. thank you for joining us. Uh, final word before I leave you guys off. If you're listening to this before the U.S. elections, go vote. Oh, God. That's please it. vote. Thanks. Please vote. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Ciao!